welcome to the Redeemer 20 Sermon Podcast, where our goal is to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. My name is Luke Dirks, and I'm your host, and I'm also privileged to lead the 20s ministry at Redeemer Church in beautiful Rockford, Illinois. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at our Thursday night gathering at 7 p.m. We hope you enjoy this, and we hope you also join us at a future Thursday. Good to be with you guys tonight. My name is Doug Warren. I'm one of the elders here at Redeemer. Uh, just a little bit about me. Um, my wife and I, have, we've been coming to Redeemer since 2007, so going on 16 years. Um, we actually just celebrated our 17 years being married July 1st, so yeah. Um, we have three kids, 14, going to be 12 in a week and eight. So um, our kids keep us busy. Uh, some of you guys love on our kids. So uh, still thankful for you guys for Redeemer 20s. And um, I'm excited to bring the word. Like I love, you guys are so teachable. I've done this one other time and just love seeing Bibles open. Uh, you guys attentive to, to hear what God would say through me to you. So um, we're going to continue in, you guys are in the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to continue in that. So uh, if you do have your Bibles, go ahead and make your way to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be in a um, fairly big chunk, uh, verses 38 through 48. You know, while you're heading there, um, I want to read a different section of Scripture. Because I've, I've titled my message, How to Live for Jesus in a hostile world, how to live for Jesus in a hostile world. And the Apostle Paul, he wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, I think this is really prophetic about our American culture today. Listen to this, uh, 2 Timothy 3, he says, but understand this, that in last days, the last days, there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but de denying its power, avoid such people. I mean, doesn't that sound like America? And I don't, I don't want to be a downer, but I think you guys would all agree. Like, we live, we live in a culture, we live in a society that is it's increasingly hostile to, to Christians and to the values that we believe and hold dear. You know, I was thinking about uh, an example of this just a couple weeks ago. And maybe you guys don't even know this. Um, there's a professional baseball player, Anthony Bass. He plays for the Toronto Blue Jays. And so, several weeks ago, he posted a video to Instagram. Uh, actually, he just reposted the video, but it was um, advocating boycotting Target and uh, Bud Light uh, due to their LGBTQ stances. And as soon as Anthony Bass posted this, like, he just got reamed in the media. Like, he was called, as you can imagine, every single bigot, narrow-minded, transphobe, homophobe, and sadly, like, he kind of, he backpedaled a little bit. He issued this sort of half-hearted apology, but it's too late for 
Anthony Bass because two, like two days later after he made this post, he got fired from the Blue Jays and he hasn't played baseball since. And I bring this up because I believe like this type of thing is going to happen more and more and it's going to happen to us when you guys take stands for Jesus and for truth, hostility is going to happen and you're going to deal with injustices, you're going to have enemies, um, but you're not without Jesus and Jesus taught on this and he wants you to be prepared for when these things happen and that's what this passage that we want to look at tonight is all about, like how do we how do we live for Jesus in a hostile world? So let me read our, our passage, Matthew 5, 38 through 48. Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic... Let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You have heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. It's a doozy of a section. Um, well, let me set the stage here before I dive into uh, just some practical teaching. Um, so we're in a, a section in the Sermon on the Mount that started back in, in verse 21. And this section, there's, there's six separate teachings here, and hopefully, like, you've, you know, this is a little bit of review of what you've already learned in weeks past. Um, but Jesus is he's introducing each, each separate teaching with this phrase, You've heard that it was said, and then he goes on to say, but I say, and then he does his teaching. And what, what Jesus is, is doing is he's addressing widespread distortion of biblical te teachings that the religious leaders, those are the, the Pharisees, that they were propagating in that day. And Jesus is showing that following God's law is so much more than you know, just following the form. Um, it's, it's so much more than just outward compliance to a law. He's showing uh, following God's law requires heart change. So he's talked about anger, lust, divorce, oaths. And now in our section, and you can see if you have a, an ESV Bible, he's talking about retaliation and loving your enemies. So I'm going to talk about both those things. And I want to walk you through, first, what's the distortion how did the Pharisees distort the Old Testament teaching? And then I just want to look at how does Jesus want us to live? Like, what are we supposed to do? What is he, he expecting us, us, us to do? So I'm going to do that, do that two times for both sections. So let's look at retaliation. So 
the distortion of the biblical teaching. Verse 38, Jesus says, You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And that's a direct quotation from the Old Testament. Um, uh, Leviticus chapter 24, it says in verse 19 and 20, If anyone injures his neighbor as he has done, it shall be done to him. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, whatever injury he has given a person shall be given to him. And I think this law is, is easy enough to understand. Uh, we've heard the phrase, you know, the punishment needs to fit the crime. And that's really what uh, the Old Testament was after. A judge uh, wasn't supposed to be too harsh in doling out a punishment, and a judge wasn't supposed to be too lenient. Like justice and equity were the goals. So how is this how is this principle distorted? Like, how did the Pharisees, how did they distort this? Well, this concept, you know, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, that was really, it was a, a legal principle for the Hebrew civil justice system. But the Pharisees, like, they turned this into, okay, this is my license to, um, I can personally... Uh, retribute anyone who, who harms me. You know, anytime anyone does something to me, I've got this biblical mandate, well, now I can retaliate. You call me a name, I can retaliate back to you. There's no room for mercy. There's no room for, for covering and for forgiveness. And Jesus was saying, you guys, you guys don't have my father's heart in this. So that was the distortion. How does Jesus want us to live well i just want to say at the outset like i don't believe christians should be doormats you know if someone were you know, i've got a family if someone were to you know break into my house and threaten terrible things i don't think it's wrong to stop them you know loving your your neighbor like loving my family like that does require some protection um but what i am saying is Following these commands might affect how I might stop someone doing that. Um, and even like, how do I feel about this person that just wronged me? So let me draw out some principles uh, from this passage. I think you'll get a flavor of what Jesus is trying to teach us. So here's a principle, how, how we ought to live. Um, let God handle vengeance. Let God handle Vengeance, verse 39 says, but I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. The word resist there, that can also mean oppose. Do not oppose the evil person. And I believe what Jesus, what Jesus is getting at here is if you're treated wrongly, like you need to be okay with God being the one who inflicts the punishment and vengeance on that person, not you. Like, and we also have to accept the reality that God's timing is perfect. Like, and not all injustices done against us are going to be made right in this life. And hear me, I'm not saying, like, don't, like, we don't strive for uh, justice and equal treatment of people. Like, absolutely, we do that. But I am saying you don't get to be God's, you know, agent of retribution, like inflicting <laughs> vengeance on his enemies. You let God take care of them. Here's a second principle. Be willing to be mistreated. 
We need to be willing to be mistreated. I think that's what Jesus is saying in the second half of verse 39. He says, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. For a Jew in Jesus' day, uh, a slap in the face, that was maybe one of the most demeaning, um, shameful acts you could do to someone. Now, I don't think that really, going to really slap people's faces in our, our culture. Um, but what I do know is, you know, we need to be ready and willing to be demeaned and shamed for Jesus. I mean, think about Anthony Bass. Like, he was just, he was called all these transphobe, bigot, narrow-minded. And we, as followers of Jesus, like, we need to be willing to be mistreated for Jesus Christ. That, that's what he means by turn the other cheek. You're not hurling insults back. You're willing to be mistreated. You know, I had a little bit of, um, little bit of this recently. Um, I was in a, a meeting with a, a client, and we were just kind of, we're kind of chit-chatting, um, not doing a lot of business. Um, and he brought up, I don't even know how we got on the topic, but he brought up, he goes to a church here in town, um, and he was talking about this couple that left this church, and he just, like, he couldn't, like, they were a long-time members of this church, and he just couldn't believe they had left. And the reason this couple had left was the church had just hired a minister who was openly gay. And I remember this client, he was just saying, um, you know, like, I just, I can't understand, like, don't they understand, like, this is just the world we live in. Just, he just kept saying that phrase, this is just the world we live in. And I felt, okay, like, whew, I got to say something, right? Like, I got to say something. Um, so I said some things. I knew this church's, their confession is, it's a Christian confession. So I just said to the classic client, like, like, don't you, like, this is what your church teaches about this kind of behavior. Like, don't, don't you believe that? And he just looked at me like, oh, my goodness, like, you're, you're one of them. Like, he was, now I am in the same category as this couple that had left, and the meeting got super awkward and was kind of like, okay, like, how do I navigate out of this? Um, and we just kind of, like, moved on, and, like, I think it lasted, like, another five minutes. But I say all this, like, and he didn't even, you know, he didn't call me names. I could tell, like, in his mind he was thinking things um, unpleasant things about me, but I share this, like, not to pat myself on the back, but we need to be ready to stand for truth and stand for Jesus, and we need to be ready for the cons consequences that follow. We got to be ready, willing to be mistreated. There's a third thing that I see in this passage, um, over-restitute whenever possible, over-restitute whenever possible. Uh, Jesus says in verse 40, if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, I mean, that's literally the shirt off your back, uh, let him have your cloak as well. Now, we don't really know, you know, he doesn't say anything about this lawsuit. Like, this could even be a legitimate lawsuit. Like, you actually, you legitimately owe this person money. They're suing you, and you know you, you owe it, but that's really kind of beside the point. Like, um, what Jesus is the point he's trying to make is whether it's legitimate or not, you 
over restitute whenever possible. That is, like, if you have harmed someone or if you have caused someone loss, like, you make it right and then some. So, like, if you're sitting there, like, you're like, oh, my goodness, like, I owe that guy, you know, like, 20 bucks, and I totally forgot, like, I borrowed the money. Give him back the $20 and then some. Give him back 30 Or, you know, if you borrowed someone's car and, like, you, you scratched it, like, get that repaired and then go above and beyond. Like, wash the car, fill it up with gas. Like, um, that's the principle. Over-restitute whenever possible. Be quick to make things right and then some. Here's another principle. Living in a hostile world, we submit to government authority. Jesus says in verse 41, he says, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. You know, in Jesus' day, the nation of Israel wasn't a free country like ours. Like, they were occupied by the Romans. In Roman law, it allowed soldiers, they were able to conscript a civilian. Uh, They could force them to carry their packs for them. Now, you know, can you imagine, like, if our like police officers could force civilians to like carry their stuff like that would not go over well um but that's like that happened in jesus day and jesus was saying hey not only carry that pack a mile according to the law but carry it too my question for you is do you have a similar attitude towards the government? Do you have a similar posture of submission and respect for the government? Like, um, do I dare mention COVID, like, and mask mandates? Like, and I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to go. My wife was like, Doug, don't go there. I'm like, but I have to. Like, no. Um, what was your posture? Like, you know, was it submissive? Was it respectful? You know, again, Whatever, masks, whatever. Jesus cares more about your heart. Like, what, what was your heart towards the government authorities? Jesus wants you to come under and live respectfully. Here's a final thought under this, this whole top of, topic of retaliation. Uh, give it every opportunity. Give it every opportunity. Jesus says, verse 42, he says, Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. When opportunity presents itself, you guys give. Don't hold back. God's going to take care of you. He says that over and over in the scriptures. Like, if you let go of your resources, God is going to funnel more resources to you to make you generous at every opportunity. Now, be wise with your giving. You know, like, we see panhandlers all the time. Like, Maybe you're not giving them cash, but now this takes some foresight, right? Some forethought. Like maybe you get them a McDonald's gift card or something like that. Um, But the point is we give it every opportunity, not just when it's convenient, you know, not when we feel like it, not when we feel like we have enough for ourselves. Um, We give. We're people that gives. Okay. Let's do the second section. Love your enemies, uh, 43 through 48. Let me just jump right in. The distortion of the biblical teaching. You can see it there, verse 43. Um, Jesus introduces the distortion by saying, you have heard that it was said, 
and he says this, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, hating your enemy, that is not in the Old Testament. Like the Pharisees, uh, they extrapolated that. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, loving your neighbor, certainly, that is in the Old Testament. Uh, Leviticus 19.18 says, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So, like, how did the Pharisees distort that teaching? I mean, it seems so straightforward, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, they, they did it in two ways. First, they drastically narrowed the definition of, of neighbor. So they said, well, a neighbor is only someone who loves me. Everyone else, not my neighbor. For Jesus, a neighbor was anyone, not who loved me, but anyone who was near me. And here's the second distortion. The Pharisees concluded, again, wrongly, that because it just says love your neighbor, they were free to hate, feel, feel anything about anyone not their neighbor. And again, Jesus is like, guys, you don't have my heart in this. We are to love our enemies. So let me draw out some principles of that. Loving your enemies. How do we how do, we do this? Um, here's the first thing. I'd say expand your love. Work on expanding your love. See, the, the Pharisees, they only loved people who loved them back. But Jesus says in verse 46, he's like, guys, like, unbelievers do that. Like, it doesn't take the power of the Holy Spirit to love people who love you back. I mean, scra you scratch my back, I scratch yours. Like, that doesn't take any special movement of God to do that. Um, rather, again, we're to love those near us, neighbor and enemy. You remember the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. I mean, that's just quintessential. Like, this is exactly what Jesus is talking about. Here was a Jew, drastic need, helpless, side of the road. Here comes a Samaritan. Jews, Samaritans, they don't get along. There's significant ethnic, racial hostility there. But, you know, obviously Jesus picks the Samaritan for a reason. The Samaritan is the one who was the neighbor to the Jew. He expanded his love beyond just the people who look like him, talk like him, thought like him. In Redeemer 20s, guys, we need to do the same. But I say, you know, start small. You know, expanding your love, start small. Like, you don't have to go, I don't want you to run out and try to make friends with, like, the worst possible person, like, you can possibly imagine. Um, but I do want you to run out and start somewhere. Like, even here, like, there's some new people. Like, meet someone new. Expand your love. Like, get out of your comfort zone a little bit. Like, and I'm, I'm right there with you. Like, I love... When I come to church on Sunday mornings, I love hanging out with my people, my crowd. Like, it's uncomfortable to expand beyond to new people. But do that. Like, and that's not, they're not even enemies. Hopefully, they're not enemies. Um, do that. Like, make friends with that neighbor who everyone thinks is annoying on your block. Or, you know, that coworker that you're like, you know, everyone rolls their eyes. Like, that's exactly what Jesus is talking about here. Here's another principle uh, test your love. Pray for your enemies. I think that's a phenomenal test if you're loving enemies, loving anyone. Do you pray for them? 
Jesus said, pray for those who persecute you. Totally convicting to me because I, I have a prayer list like that helps me remember who I need to pray for. Um, I didn't bring it with me tonight, but I can talk like I don't have a single enemy on my prayer list. Like and you know, that is that's convicting to me. Honestly, like I don't want to add I don't want to add an enemy. Like it's hard enough, like praying for the people that I love most in this life. But Jesus is saying, pray for those who persecute you. And and really, like, isn't that the Father's heart? Like, we were once enemies of the Lord. Like, and the Bible says, even now, like Jesus, He's interceding on our behalf. Like, so if Jesus does it, like, don't you want to be like your father, like your savior? So pray for your enemies. All right, two more. Oops, lost my page. Sorry. Here's the third thing. Be faithful in little. Be faithful in little. Verse 47 says, and if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? I just, I love, I'm just going to quote John Piper. Love what he says about this. Does it really matter in a world like ours, whom we say hello to on the street? It does. Jesus knows the true condition of our heart is revealed not just by the global causes we espouse, but by the daily acts of courtesy we show. So be faithful in the little things. And then finally, just a motivation for loving your enemies. Jesus says in verse 45, he says, love your enemies so that you may be sons and daughters of your father who is in heaven. Now, now how, we, how we treat others, like that doesn't make us Christians, but it certainly shows certainly demonstrates that we are Christians when we're loving those who don't love us back. You know, God is the most amazing, um, sovereign, loving, gracious, perfect being there is. And if he loves those who hate him, he causes the rain to fall on people who despise him, who take his name in vain, uh, who can't stand him. Like, he, grace upon grace upon grace, on his enemies. Don't you want to be like that? Don't you want to be like your father? Um, so that should motivate you to love your enemies. Well, that's all I have. I hope this is helpful. I know it's challenging. Um, we do live in a, a hostile world. I think it is only going to be increasingly more hostile, and we want to, uh, we don't want to back down. We want to live for Jesus. We want to stand for truth. Um, there's opportunity here, like, to be a bright light for Jesus. You know, as this world, even as a city, like, as it's dark, like, the church has all the more opportunity to shine brightly by our holy living, by our, our love for the least of this, these, because we don't look like the world when we live like that, and that's attractive, um, and Jesus is going to get a lot of glory. So let me pray for you guys as we close. God, thank you for your word. And I do pray, God, this is, these are hard things to hear, uh, convicting things. But yeah, Lord, we want to, we want to live for you. We know it's 
a hostile world. But God, we don't want to react. Um, we don't want to retaliate uh, like the world does. We don't want to just love the people that love us back and, and hate our enemies. God, we want to uh, be full of love. We want that to be the defining characteristic of ourselves and of, of this church and of Redeemer 20s. And so, God, we need your help uh, to live like this. We need you. And so I ask for your help. Um, help us to even put this teaching into practice this week. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name.